Hey, this is Maha Bulanein, and we're continuing the second season of Savvy Talk, where I've been talking to movers and shakers about their brands, their companies, and their stories. My guest today really needs no introduction if you're a news junkie. This is the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric. She's a journalist and author and has been a significant part of the success stories of the U.S. three big television networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, that dominated TV over the last couple decades. From NBC News, this is Today with Katie Couric. I met Katie Couric during the Arab Spring. It was a scary time. A lot of news organizations were coming into Cairo, so I got to spend time working with different networks, helping them do their storytelling. So I served Katie and her producers and her team, helping them set up interviews, uh, understand what's going on in the market, uh, help with translation on what's happening on local television. We had to think about things like our safety and how we're going to tell the story given the restrictions of the curfew and everything that was going on at the time. But I want to tell you that in this moment of crisis is when I really learned about how stories get told. And Katie was a real um, inspiration for me and someone who I really learned from on how to be kind of calm in a crisis. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question, where we try to understand the complicated world we're living in and the crazy things. Katie was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame back in 2004. And so I'm delighted that 15 years later, I was able to spend some time with her at her home in the Hamptons to find out what she's been doing since she left the networks. Well, I'm trying to stay busy and engaged and continue to do the kinds of things I love, which is talking to people, telling stories, um, helping people understand the complicated world we're living in, and doing it um, on my own terms. I graduated from college in 1979 and started working right away and worked straight through uh, for many years. Worked in local news, first started at CNN when it wasn't even on the air, and it was called Chicken Noodle News by its detractors. Then worked in local news in uh, Miami and Washington, D.C., then covered the Pentagon, then worked at the Today Show, then went to CBS, then went to Yahoo. And I've always been very interested in kind of staying on top of the trends of what's happening in media. And as a result, I decided to kind of strike out on my own because the landscape is such you don't really need gatekeepers. I think I realized a while ago through various people and things that I had read that a lot of forces were uh, colliding. Millennials want to work for companies that care about something more or other than just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like they're doing good in the world, which is, I think, a wonderful thing. You know, millennials are often maligned and Um, You know, there may be some issues in the workplace with some of them, but I think as a whole, they are much more socially conscious than, say, baby boomers were. And then um, companies to retain those employees uh, need to care about more. And as I think distrust in the media and government has increased, sadly, 
companies are in many ways kind of filling the void and saying, we have a voice, we have a reach, and we have the power to start some of these important conversations. You know, I think the, the danger is that if, if companies aren't authentic about it, you know, if they're all trying to outwoke each other uh, in the hopes of attracting millennials and people who care about, you know, social justice. But I think many of them really do want to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. they, they understand that consumers are not monolithic anymore. They're not appealing to just, you know, the white housewife in the suburbs. You know, everybody's buying their products and their content and the messages they're putting out has to reflect changes in society. It's been so interesting, Maha, for me to see even changes in advertising, you know, pure advertising, where there's a biracial couple or there's a mm -hmm. gay couple or, you know, there are all kinds of things that are, I think, subtly being done. They're reflecting society right. as it is. Right. And they're showing that imagery to attract to consumers the way that they live. We don't appreciate how powerfully influential the images that we see are. You know, I've always known it because it's guided my career. I've always said women have to be seen in roles that where they're important and making decisions and not just the sidekick to the avuncular looking man at their side True. and or sitting next to them. And so, you know, we're all we're all kind of in a way victims of the kind of images that we've been exposed to from birth. And it makes our brains, uh, wires our brains in a certain way. There's a great Harvard psycho social psychologist named Mazarin Banaji who wrote a book called Blind Spot, who talked about how our brains are wired to make associations. Mm. And so there's this implicit bias test that she has people take and it's amazing how many people are biased. They see women so associated still with home, caregiving, family, Baby and men babies. with work. And so I think you can't underestimate how important it is to, to project images that, are, that, that make the receivers of those images understand the opportunities and the fact that these rigid sort of lanes or stereotypes don't necessarily have to exist. Something that came up during our conversation was how much media and communications has changed over the last five years alone. My own habits and the way I consume news has changed dramatically. Today, if I want to pick up on what's happening, I check Twitter, and in the last few months, I'm finding my news on Instagram. Uh, when when I come back from vacation, I'm going to go back to doing sort of my pajama grams. I love those. Where by I the basically way. say, "Hey, everybody," and kind of say the top three or four stories because I feel like people are grabbing their phones in the morning. They're checking their email so they can look at my newsletter or they can look at my stories and feel connected to me because I'm talking to them. Yeah, so everyone listening, I really recommend subscribing to The Wake Up Call. It's a newsletter that Katie puts out that gives you in really snackable content, the things you need to know that are happening. And then we also do original content. So we add, 
interviews with people, like we have Busy Phillips, who's going to be talking about why she's featuring teachers on her Instagram in September. Um, we're doing, uh, you know, this really cool ad that Procter & Gamble did that's so beautiful because Gillette created a razor that's for caregivers who have to shave other people, oh, nice. which is so cool. And think about it, um, you know, so, there are so many caregivers, baby boomers or younger, taking care of aging parents, mm -hmm. that that's a huge segment of the population. And they did the most beautiful video about it. So I'm excited to interview the women who put it together and the brand and why they came up with this razor. That's so, funny. you know, I think, uh, so so it, it's pull. it's curated content, but it's also just things that I think are important and interesting to share with people. Yeah, there's always something at the end. If you want a little bit extra, you can go in and, and dive into that as well. And then, so you do these Instagram stories. I see you in your pajamas in the morning. Because that's what, you're yourself, Katie. Like, yeah. one of the things I love about it is that's authentic. It makes me feel closer to you. Yeah. I feel like I would be talking to you with a cup of coffee and pajamas, yeah. catching up on what's happening for the day. Right. And everyone loves that you are you. Right. Like, I have a lot of friends who are like, you watch Katie and she's got her pajamas. You should do a swipe up to your pajamas so we know what brands they are and we oh, want I to know. buy them. Oh, I I'm going to. No, you should. Because I'm going people to. like to know that stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to say, hey, everybody, good morning. Thank you, Sleep Number, for sponsoring Wake Up Call. Here's what's going on, you guys. So one of the things that um, I noticed on Katie through her social media and her storytelling is that Molnar plays a big role in her social media. John Molnar is her husband. She got married to him when she was 57. And I really love watching how they interact on social media. It really helps personalize her and tell us more about her life. And I just love the banter that they have between each other on social media. My husband is playing golf, which is his passion, other than me, just kidding. Um, he loves to play golf and he loves to fly fish. He's such a man. Um, and that's what he's doing. And I, we both are very independent. We love hanging out and being together, but we also like doing our own thing. I think that's healthy. It's really healthy. You know, I mean, it's a later in life marriage and it's, I think it really works because we're independent and have a lot of things in common, but also have our own lives and do our own thing. I think you guys are so cute together. She is so funny. She's just got a great sense of humor. It's kind of dry, a little sarcastic and biting at times, but I think it's funny. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he, he just, he's just so quick-witted. He really makes me laugh. When I came to your house and we had coffee, um, you're like, you got to go meet Molnar and you got to go see him. So I drove down oh, and yeah. met him. He loved meeting you. Yeah, I went down and met him. So charming, yeah. so funny, so smart. Like, asked lots of really interesting questions. I'm sorry he's not here today, but we'll have to make another appointment so we can spend yeah, time with him. Yeah, definitely, because I know he he's going to be sorry to have missed you. But, um, you know, he's out there doing what he loves and he'll come back depending on how he's playing and be a very happy camper and the banter you guys do on social media is hilarious so the comments funny, right? he makes on your photos i think people enjoy reading our back and forth as much as seeing what we've posted but he's very funny because he's desperate to get more followers so tell everyone listening to this podcast to follow john molner okay. m-o-l-n-e-r we will get the plug in and get that out the word out
Katie's now an entrepreneur. She launched Katie Couric Media 14 months ago with her husband, John. And going out on her own was almost a necessity, and she felt the need to remove the middlemen from the equation. Like most industries, she's disrupting. I decided um, after doing a six-hour documentary series for National Geographic, which I loved, meant, thank loved you, it. it which was meant so good. eight months on the road for me, and it was really grueling but fascinating, and I'm so proud of the finished product, but what could I do now? And so my husband, John, said, the only way I'll see you is if I work with you. And he's got a great background in finance and business. So we have started a company. It's about 14 months old. And uh, it has the very unoriginal title, uh, name of Katie Kirk Media. I love it. Um, I guess it's okay, but I think because you know, it's it's harder and harder to be a brand name in the way the media is so fragmented, right? Mm -hmm. I think some people who watch a certain network may be familiar with the quote unquote talent, but it's really it's really difficult. And so I thought, well, why don't I take advantage of the fact that people, a lot of people do know my name because I've been doing this for so long. And instead of naming it like Petunia Productions or Dahlia, Dahlia Media, or I'm looking at my garden, can you tell? Uh, you know, why not, why not name it just after me? Because everything is sort of done through my lens and the things that I'm really interested in, collaborating with other people. We now have about 19 employees um, and I'm learning all sorts of things about audience development, about engaging, uh, an audience that will be interested in the content I'm creating, working with purpose-driven brands, which I think we were ahead of the curve, if you see what the Business Roundtable and those 200 companies just announced. Um, this was something that we saw happening uh, a while ago. It, the interesting thing you were talking about your story and like how you were working in network television, you worked obviously on the internet, a lot of stuff, but now you're sort of an entrepreneur. You know, because you have to think about content and creative and copy and teams and, and editing and distribution and audience and target. What is that like being an entrepreneur of your own like media company? I mean, it's it's sometimes overwhelming. I mean, it's super exciting in many ways because, you know, it's it's learning all these new skills. I think it's so siloed when you work for a big news organization, you're the quote unquote talent, talent, a term I've always hated because in a way it's sort of, I don't know, it's it's a bit marginalizing in yeah, a way. People would think you just show up and read the Right, right, exactly. And I have always been super involved in production and the editorial side of whatever I'm doing. But now I have to, you know, understand sales. I have to work with companies. I have to understand distribution. I have to understand sort of the creative. Well, I've always sort of been involved in the creative approach, but now it's, you know, everything's changing. So what I might've done as a segment now may be a 90 second video. It could have been back in the day, a six minute interview. You spend your life telling other people's stories and sharing important topics and issues that people need to get more awareness about. And so, you know, one would say that because the way you 
interpret information and share it, you, you influence a lot of people. I think right now in the US and in much of the world, there's so much polarization. And I think people just turn off people they think are a certain way or gonna come at things with a certain perspective, yeah. And so I try to be a little less strident and try to use gentle persuasion or exposure to help people understand the world because I think everyone has become so doctrinaire that it's important to just kind of make people aware of things without kind of being so in their face about it. Yeah, so it's like objectivity and authenticity and trust. Like, it's always about how do you trust the source or trust the information, obviously in the age of, quote, fake news. And well, I also think objectivity is kind of a, doesn't truly exist, exist. true ob objectivity, because even if you are recording events, you're seeing things through your own personal lens and your own life experiences. And I think you can try to be pretty objective, but there's gonna be some subjectivity that, that leaks into it, that somehow permeates whatever it is you're saying to a certain degree. But I do think you can try to be empathetic to other people's points of view and life experiences too as you're telling stories. But it's, it's complicated in this day and age because it's not just who, what, where, when, why as a basic news report. It's so much more complex, complex and nuanced, I think, in terms of the telling of certain things. But I do things like I do profiles of people who are killed in mass shootings and tell people a little bit about their lives and the people left behind because I think otherwise it becomes so grossly impersonal. It's just about numbers and statistics. I love how you do that, how you share a single picture with a story about each person. Mm -hmm. I'm sad that you have to do it so often. Me too. But I love the fact that you, like these are people, these aren't statistics. Right. These are families, these are loved ones. I think they're incredibly powerful. I got the idea, Julia Lewis, who helps me with my social media, started doing it for Pittsburgh. And I think it reminded me so much of Portraits of Grief, which the New York Times did after 9-11, mm -hmm. where they would show a picture of one of the people who died and then tell their stories. And it was so powerful and moving, and it made you see that event a whole different way. 100%. And so um, I'm surprised more news organizations don't, do don't it. really, you know, sometimes there are too many and, you know, they don't have the time to do it or maybe they don't have the staff to do it. I think they do try to tell one or two personal stories, but we try to honor each and every victim to say, not only this person had a, had a life and people who loved and depended on them, who they loved, but also this is all of us. Mm -hmm. This is your grandmother, this is your teenager. And um, do you think that the trade or the craftsmanship of being a journalist and studying journalism and becoming uh, a journalist is changed or is more important? 
Well, I think it's always important, you know, always important. I think journalism as profession has been so unfairly maligned, but I think there are a couple of reasons. There's a proliferation of quote-unquote news outlets that don't adhere to any standards that you know, there's somebody in their basement in their pajamas writing stories and pushing them out with, uh, and, and they're not a legitimate news source. But for the consumer, it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. I sometimes see things and I'm like, wait, who wrote this? Or mm -hmm. what is this company? Or what is this organization? And why are they saying these things? And, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, a critical news consumer because I've been in the business so long. But for your average person who sees some of these stories, I think it's really confusing. So there is fake news out there, but fake news isn't the Washington Post or the New York Times or you know, people who are covering stories and because someone doesn't like the story, mm -hmm. they're called fake news. And that's, that's really damaged the reputation of credible news outlets exactly. to a terrible degree. And they're so important because they have to speak truth to power. They have to hold people accountable. They have to challenge people in positions of authority. I mean, that's what democracy is built on. Yeah. And so this, I, I try not to even use the term fake news. On the other hand, you know, it's, it's challenging to cover a president like Donald Trump because he's so unconventional and his personal behavior is so, I think to many people, repugnant and they have to separate his personality from his policies. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really difficult, difficult to, do. to do. So what makes a good story? I think that the best stories have some kind of emotional connection to the reader, the viewer, the listener, where you feel that the person who's telling it is really invested in the story, but also there's a compelling reason to spend your time. You know, there's so much out there now. I don't know how people pick what they're gonna consume or, you know, there are only so many hours in the day. I remember interviewing somebody, I believe at Netflix and saying, is there too much content? This was five years ago. Oh God. And he said, is there too many, are there too many books in the library? And I said, yeah, kind of, there are because you know, I think it's just so much stuff out there. So how how do you, I think mass media has become an oxymoron. It's more niche media. So you have to do stories about things you really care about. And I think that comes through. And then I think you have to find a person in that story who really resonates, who makes it compelling, who you care about. So you learn about that story or that subject or that issue through someone that you have a connection with. Okay, I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. Okay, okay so Katie, you are super fit. Not and you're really. very active. Right now, and I've I, been eating too much the last couple of weeks. Ugh. I love watching you in the gym. I'm like, look at her do that. I have no excuses. I can do a good headstand, which I'm very proud really? of. Really? Yeah, I was a gymnast when I was little and so I have sort of muscle memory and can do you know, certain, certain gymnastics feats. What book are you reading now? Or what I, book did you read that you really loved this year? That you uh, I read up? Three Women this summer uh, by Lisa Tadeo. Uh, I'm reading uh, 
the art of the memoir because I'm writing a book. I I've got a lot of other books that I'm interested in reading. Um, do you audiobook? You buy books? I want to start do you audiobooking. Like, do you like, do audiobooks? I do. So I do audiobooks and physical books. And the other thing, too, is, like, you, I don't read one book at a time. Like, I used to do that, but sometimes I like business books, mm -hmm. and sometimes I like novels, and sometimes I like, like, self-help or growth right. books. So I, some of them I like, like, the personal development growth books, I like to buy physical because I like to underline and write notes and stuff like that. Favorite podcast? What's your go-to? Like, things that you like to listen to? I do to? like The Daily. I love I The Daily. They do a great yeah. job. Um, I like... Mark Marin. Katie's newest hobby is playing the piano, and she's a natural. I'm a little good. I'm not that good, but no, I. You're amazing. No, I, I play by ear, so I've got that weird ability to hear it in my head and transfer it to my fingers. So you don't read notes? I do read music. I took piano for 10 years, but I play most things these days. I just sit and kind of someone can say, hey, can you play this song? And I can usually figure it out pretty quickly. It's I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed when I see you play. I'm always a big proponent of being a lifelong learner. So what's Me the too. one thing you want to learn? I'd like to learn Spanish. Um, I'd like to learn, I'd like to do more yoga. I would like to learn more about wine. And I'd like to learn more about art. And I'd like to rent your house and stay here um, when you're anytime. not here. You're welcome. You're Thank you so much. Casa a su casa, baby. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, please tell a friend about the show. You can follow Katie on Instagram at Katie Couric, C-O-U-R-I-C. And you can find Savvy Talk in all podcast players on Andremi, Spotify, and Deezer as well. Please give us a review. It really helps. And we'd like your feedback. Feel free to email me at maha at digitalandsavvy.com.